0: I love it when you read to me. Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences. And they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: I am Janice Leibovitz and you are my People of the Book. And get your pens and paper ready or your notes app, whatever you use to make your little lists. Because today I've got a fiction feast for you. I'm going to be giving you a list of books, mostly quite current, what are out on the shelves right now, online, however you buy your books. And I am going to be letting you know what is out there and what you should be looking for. Sorry for the non-fiction buffs, and for those who enjoy uh, biography, history, there's a couple of um, historical fiction books here, so um, if you waver between the two, then that might catch your fancy, but today it's all about fiction lovers. So, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. The first book, and I'm sure you've probably noticed this, and Excuse me, I know they say don't judge a book by its cover, but truth be told, who doesn't? Because, call me shallow, but I do. The cover of this book is very eye-catching, but I really just don't find it appealing. But the book is called The Twyford Code. It's by Janice Hallett. It's got this massive fish on the cover. It kind of reminds me, I look at it and I think, ooh, Parsis. But anyway, it's called The Twyford Code, and it's something quite different. It's written in, it's it's a, It's a. kind of, you've got to get used to the way it's written. And it's a murder mystery, but not your usual murder mystery. And the description of the book is, it's time to solve the murder of the century. Forty years ago, Stephen Smith found a copy of a famous children's book. And its margins were full of strange markings and annotations. And at the time, he took it to his remedial English teacher, and her name was Miss Isles, who became convinced it was the key to solving a puzzle, and that a secret message in secret code was running through all Edith Twyford's novels. And that was this, um you know, she'd written that the book that he'd found. And then his class went on a field trip with this teacher, Miss Isles, and... Something happened and his memory doesn't allow him to remember what happened. And now it's 40 years later, he's out of prison, he's spent a long stretch in prison and he decides that he's going to investigate this mystery that has haunted him for decades. Was Miss Isles murdered, was she deluded, or was she right about the code, and is it still in use today? He's desperate to recover his memories and to find out what really happened to his teacher from all those years ago. So he starts to revisit the people and the places of his childhood, but it soon becomes clear that Edith Twyford wasn't just a writer of forgotten children's stories and that the Twyford Code has great power and he's not the only one trying to solve it. So in 40 years, no one has solved the Twyford Code and he's now awoken some mystery and people are after him because they want to solve the code too. As I said, written in a very different way and it takes a bit of getting used to. Um For instance... At the beginning of the book, it's written kind of like in child's language and it kept talking about missiles. And I kept thinking, what, a, what, what do missiles have to do with it? And it took me a few pages to realize that missiles was his child's way of remembering the name of this teacher whose name was Miss Isles. So it's, it's quite twisty and, and quite, it's, it's different. So if that appeals to you, it's The Twyford Code by Janice Hallett. You can't miss it. A massive blue fish on the cover. And um, as I said today, we are talking about fiction on People of the Book.
0: I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: I'm Janice Liebowitz and you're listening to People of the Book and today I'm just giving you a selection of what great fiction is on the shelves or online on your computer screen however you choose to buy your books. So I hope your pen and paper is at the ready to make a list of what appeals to you and the next one up is by a local author, I think he's Cape Town based, his name is Mark Winkler and his latest books and Remember, I mean, people, and I always say this, I know that there's a mental block against our local authors. I don't know why, because many of them are just outstanding. And Mark Winkler is really, he, he's amongst the top of our, our local South African authors. And remember, our local authors don't only write about South Africa. They don't only really base their fiction in our country. And, Mark Winkler's latest book is called The Errors of Dr. Brown. Also, another very unique book written in a very unique style. And this is about Dr. Thomas Brown, who accepts the role of both inquisitor and witness in one of England's last witch trials. And he embarks on what the biographer later calls the most culpable and stupid action of his life. In Bury St. Edmunds, 1662, two widows are charged with acts of witchcraft. Dr. Brown is known as a philosopher, a natural scientist, a logician, and medical doctor. Yet despite his best efforts, the trial hinges on the admissibility of spectral evidence. The accused women are deemed to have the ability to exploit their victims through dreams. This will set a legal precedent For the infamous Salem witch trials in Massachusetts 30 years later. Conflicted by his deeply held religious beliefs and his confidence in the validity of emerging scientific methods, Brown is left to ponder the true nature of culpability and whether the most insidious evil is, in fact, that which we carry within. Mark Winkler's novel is a wry and insightful glimpse into the limits of reason, the patriarchal need to control every aspect of womanhood and our ongoing preoccupation with reputation. And as I said, also very unique. It's written in the style of, of the 1600s. So it's kind of old world writing. It takes some getting used to once again, but the theme, and it's something that fascinates me. Um, the witch trials and, and all kind of things of gothic nature and, you know, if you're superstitious, perhaps it doesn't appeal to you. I'm not going to get into the the religious aspect and and belief and and anything like that. That's not my that's not my realm. Um, but it's he is a, a writer of really outstanding ability. And if this appeals to you, it's the Errors of Dr. Brown by Mark Winkler. And speaking of the theme here, the patriarchal need to control every aspect of womanhood. Another book that is currently out is a book by Louisa Triga that I have literally, I think, been boring people with to absolute insanity, which is the theme of the book. And the book is Mad Woman. And as I said, by Louisa Triger, who has South African roots. I think her mother still lives here. But Louisa is based in the UK currently. And Mad Woman is based on a true story. And if you've ever heard of Nellie Bly, it's based on her. She wasn't born with the name Nellie Bly, she was actually born with the name Elizabeth Cochrane. Um, it's the late 1800s. And Nellie Bly grew up to become the first female investigative journalist. And this is an absolutely spellbinding historical novel. In 1887, she sets out for New York and a career in journalism, and she wants to make her way as a serious reporter. But life in the city is tougher than she imagined. She had already been working as a reporter for a small local newspaper. She had had dreams previously of becoming a lawyer, but unfortunately, circumstances had put paid to that. Her father, who was a judge, had passed away. He had left the family destitute. And her mother landed up marrying someone who was entirely unsuitable. He was one of those men who was an absolute charmer. And although everyone else was able to see how unsuitable he was, of course, her mother couldn't. She was desperate to marry someone who she thought would be able to keep the family comfortable. And that was not the case. He ended up being quite abusive, and Nellie, unfortunately, witnessed that. So she moves to New York, and she decides that she wants to be a reporter. But she doesn't just want to be any reporter. She wants to be a reporter on one of the biggest newspapers in New York. The owner of which, or the manager of which, happens to be uh, Mr. Joseph Pulitzer, they deny her the opportunity for a job. And she really had thought that in New York they would be more open-minded, and she is desperate. But she comes up with a very dangerous plan. She decides that she's going to fake insanity, and she's going to have herself committed to the asylum on Blackwell's Island. And she's heard of the appalling conditions there. She's heard about the way women are treated there. And it's quite interesting because Blackwell's Island wasn't only a women's asylum. There was a men's section as well. But apparently from the sound of it, the men's section was quite a bit smaller than the women's section, and there's no real mention made of it in the book. Well, obviously because the focus is on the women's section and the way the women are treated. And she she comes up with this plan and she goes back to the newspaper and she tells them she's going to fake insanity, she's going to go undercover onto this island and she's going to expose the conditions there. And they tell her, well, she's already mad, so, you know. But she says the condition is that they have to come in and get her out after seven days. But when those asylum doors swing shut behind her, she actually finds herself in a place of utter horror And there's cruelty there that she never could have imagined. She's cold, she's isolated, she's starved. And it's absolute, it's absolutely terrifying. And she knows that she landed up there uh, by her own free will, but she's wondering if she ever gets out. And really the, it's it's a harrowing, harrowing book. It is told absolutely brilliantly. The, The research is is meticulous. It's outstanding. And this is really an extraordinary portrait of a woman who was ahead of her time. And she, her quest for truth really changed the world because what, what she exposed, it, uh, it changed the entire system and the way that mental health was approached after this. And she went on to expose other inhumane treatment of women in other work areas. In America and her work was, was really sterling. And that's, that's Nellie Blau. The book is Mad Woman by Louisa Triga. Today we are having a fiction festival on People of the Book.
0: I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: You're listening to People of the Book and today we are going through a whole lot of fiction that's available currently that you can go and buy. It's all available right now. Some of it is fairly new. Some of it's been on the shelves for a couple of months, but all currently available. If you like thrillers, and I know there are quite a lot of you who do, I do, that's probably what I read the most. Uh, When I need a break, I I read the the rom-com stuff, but uh, thrillers are probably top of my list for what I go for most of the time, and there's a new book out by Adrian McKinty, and uh, if you read The Chain, and I'm going to tell you about The Chain after this because it's just worth talking about, it's so good, but his new book is called The Island. Um, It was supposed to be a family vacation, but a terrible accident changed everything, you don't know what you're capable of until they come for your family. And that kind of is a theme that he writes about. After moving from a small country town to Seattle, Heather Baxter marries Tom, a widowed doctor with a young son and teenage daughter. A working vacation overseas seems like the perfect way to bring the new family together. Um, I don't know, that wouldn't seem a great way to me, but anyway. But once they're deep in the Australian outback, the jet lag and exhausted kids are so over their new mom. When they discover remote Dutch island off limits to outside visitors, the family talks their way onto the ferry, taking a chance on an adventure far from the reach of iPhones and Instagram. But as soon as they set foot on the island, which is run by a tightly knit clan of locals, everything feels wrong. Then a shocking accident propels the Baxters from an unsettling situation ...into an absolute nightmare. When Heather and the kids are separated from Tom... ...they're forced to escape alone, seconds ahead of their pursuers... ...and now it's up to Heather to save herself and the kids... ...even though they don't trust her. The harsh bushland is filled with danger and the locals want her dead. Heather has been underestimated her entire life... ...but she knows that only she can bring her family home again and become the mother the children desperately need, even if it means doing the unthinkable to keep them all alive. And um, fast-paced, as Adrian McKinty does, I mean, from the very first page, he doesn't let up. And it's another great one from him. And just, I mean, when you read one of his books, you immediately want to go and look for his other books. And his previous book was The Chain. And this caused an absolute sensation. This was... When this came out, I think every single online book club that I was part of was, was talking about this. This was one of those books that it was just – you had to read it. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone had an opinion. So I'm going to tell you about it. Um, it's something every, parents do every morning. Rachel Klain drops her daughter at the bus stop and heads into her day. But a cell phone call from an unknown number changes everything. It's a woman on the line informing her that she has Kylie bound and gagged in her backseat. And the only way Rachel will see her again is to follow her instructions exactly. Pay a ransom and find another child to abduct. This is no ordinary kidnapping. The caller is a mother herself whose son has been taken. And if Rachel doesn't do as she's told, the boy will die. You are not the first, and you will certainly not be the last. Rachel is now part of The Chain, an unending and ingenious scheme that turns victims into criminals and is making someone else very rich in the process. The rules are simple. The moral challenge is impossible. Find the money fast, find your victim, and then commit a horrible act you'd have thought yourself incapable of just 24 hours ago. But what the masterminds behind the chain know is that parents will do anything for their children. It turns out that kidnapping is only the beginning. And I think once you've heard that, you'll know why everybody was talking about that when it came out. And if that sounds like the type of thriller that appeals to you, then go out and look for that. So that's his latest one, The Island by Adrian McKinty and his previous one, The Chain. Brilliant, brilliant books. He's the most outstanding author. Um, another gripping suspense novel, this is a debut, and it's called The Favour by Nora Murphy. Murphy. It's, um, as I said, a gripping debut. It's a domestic suspense novel, and it explores um, in quite a compassionate way with a lot of depth what can happen when women are pushed to the limit and take matters into their own hands. Um, And when staying is dangerous, but leaving could be worse. Leah and McKenna have never met, but they have parallel lives. They don't ever find themselves in the same train carriage or meet accidentally at the gym or the coffee shop. They don't ever discuss their problems and find common ground. They don't ever acknowledge to each other That although their lives have all the trappings of success, wealth, and happiness, they are, in fact, trapped. Because Leah understands that what's inside a home can be more dangerous than what's outside. Driving past McKenna's house one night, she sees what she knows only too well herself from her own marriage. McKenna's perfect husband is not what he seems. She decides to keep an eye out for McKenna, until one night... She intervenes. Leah and McKenna have never met, but they will. And if that appeals to you, that is The Favour by Nora Murphy. Another one doing the rounds, which sounds like such fun, and I haven't read this one yet, is Counterfeit by Kirsten Chen. And I think this one is going to be a big, big bestseller. It's going to be an absolute hit. Um, It's, um, as I said, counterfeit by Kirsten Chen. Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a decent fake. Ava Wong has always played it safe. As a straight-laced, rule-abiding Chinese-American lawyer with a successful surgeon as a husband, a young son, and a beautiful home, she's built the perfect life. But beneath this facade, Ava's world is crumbling. Her marriage is falling apart, her expensive law degree hasn't been used in years, and her toddler's tantrums are pushing her to the breaking point. Enter Winnie Fang, Ava's enigmatic college roommate from mainland China, who abruptly dropped out under mysterious circumstances. But now, 20 years later, Winnie is looking to reconnect with her old friend. But the shy, awkward girl Ava once knew has been replaced with a confident woman of the world dripping in luxury goods, including a coveted Birkin in classic orange. If you don't know what that is, it's a handbag. The secret to her success? Winnie has developed an ingenious counterfeit scheme that involves importing near-exact replicas of luxury handbags And now she needs someone with a U.S. passport to help manage her business. Someone who'd never be suspected of wrongdoing. Someone like Ava. But when their spectacular success is threatened, and Winnie vanishes once again, Ava is left to face the consequences. Swift, surprising, and sharply comic, Counterfeit is a stylish and feminist caper with a strong point of view and an axe to grind. Peering behind the curtain of the upscale designer storefronts and the Chinese factories where luxury goods are produced, Kirsten Chen interrogates the myth of the model minority through two unforgettable women determined to demand more from life. And I think we all know that, um, these knockoffs are, are huge business. Massive, massive, um, business there. These copies and fakes are, it's a, it's huge, so this should be an interesting one. It looks like a lot of fun as well, while sending a very, very clear message and a very deep, a much deeper message than the the light-hearted read that it it sounds like initially. Next up is the Aerialist. and this the and this is another, um, this is the other uh, historical-based novel that I was telling you about. It's by Katie Manick. Um, I couldn't find a lot of description about it, but it's also based uh, in the late 1800s, but this one is in Paris and it's about Laura. She's living on the streets, but she's far from the American prairies where she was born. And she's then rescued by the entrancing aerialists, Ina and Auguste Godron. And she soon finds herself ensconced in the family hot air balloon business, And she's offered the chance to learn how to fly. In 1896, the Gaudrons accept an invitation to be part of the Cardiff Fine Art Industrial and Maritime Exhibition, presenting a daring show of balloon ascents and parachute descents. And then late one night, a young girl by the name of Grace knocks on their door and tells them she's desperate to fly, whatever the cost and Grace's dreams begin to take wind. But can Laura be the one to keep her grounded, or will both of them risk risk it all for one dazzling moment of flight? And I must be honest, when I saw the title of Aerialist, I assumed this was about um, tightrope walkers. I don't know why, because Aerialist is not just tightrope walkers. It's kind of anything in the air. So this is quite interesting about hot air balloons and... I think probably a lot of detail about the history of of hot air balloons and the origination of how they came to be and how they originated because um, I don't know how far back those go. I don't know when that kind of flight started, but this is the late 1800s. So that's The Aerialists by Katie Munnick. Um, another thriller, if you like, you're reading fast-paced and a bit um, twisty, is Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. And this is really yeah, also from, from page one, literally. You get thrown in and it doesn't stop. It's a riveting thriller about a woman who's under pressure and how far she's going to go when everything is on the line. Ariel Price wakes up in Lisbon alone. Her husband is gone No warning, no note, he's not answering his phone, and she knows immediately that something is wrong. So she starts with hotel security, and then she goes to the police, and then the American embassy, and at each one she's confronted with all these questions that she can't really answer. What exactly is her husband John doing in Lisbon? Why did he drag her along on this business trip? trip? Who would want to harm him? And why does does Ariel know so little about her new and much younger husband? The clock is ticking. Ariel is increasingly frustrated and desperate, running out of time. And the one person in the world who can help is the one person she least wants to ask. With sparkling prose, razor-sharp insights, best-selling author Chris Pavone, delivers a stunning and sophisticated international thriller that will linger long after the surprising final page. This this is brilliant. And the other kicker that throws a spanner in the works is the language barrier, because uh, she's in a foreign country. She doesn't understand a lot of their procedure. She doesn't understand a lot of the way they work. And... Surprisingly to her, a lot of people in positions, in in high positions, for example, in the police force, don't speak a lot of English. And I think that is, I don't know whether it's a, from a position of entitlement. We do have that expectation that when we travel, people in certain positions and in certain departments should be able to understand us. And this is what Ariel confronts in her chase to find her husband and as she feels that the time is running out she doesn't know what she's up against and as the hours wind down she confronts these people who are challenging her and seem to be accusing her of something and she's not sure what and there's a lot of miscommunication due to the language barrier So this is, it's really, it's its unputdownable. I think I read this in one sitting, one um, Shabbat afternoon. So that's Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. Another book that is being spoken about a lot at the moment is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. And this is, there's so much to unpack about this one. It's about It singles out eight ordinary people who have to make a really extraordinary choice. It seems like any other day, you wake up, you pour a cup of coffee, you head out. But today, you open your front door and waiting for you is a small wooden box. And this box holds your fate inside, the answer to the exact number of years you will live. From suburban doorsteps to desert tents, every person on every continent receives the same box. In an instant, the world is thrust into a collective frenzy. Where did these boxes come from? What do they mean? Is there truth to what they promise? And as society comes together and pulls apart, everyone faces the same shocking choice. Do they wish to know how long they'll live? And if so, what will they do with that knowledge? The measure charts the dawn of this new world through an unforgettable cast of characters whose decisions and fates interweave with one another. Best friends whose dreams are forever entwined, pen pals finding refuge in the unknown, a couple who thought they didn't have to rush, a doctor who cannot save himself, and a politician whose box becomes the powder cake that ultimately changes Everything this is actually a fascinating read and when we we think about I mean it, it becomes a moral choice moral decisions there's so much um, to to talk about this this with this book and the questions that it brings up and as you delve deeper into this book and you see the way, Different governments handle it in different countries and different cultures and different individuals, different personalities, different characters. There are people who don't want to open their box, people who don't open their box. And the conflict it creates between partners where one wants to, one doesn't want to, one thinks both of them have to, the other one, it's it's just, it's an actually mind-blowing book. And I would, I would recommend this. I mean, it's, it's a understandably extremely sensitive subject, but it is, the concept is incredible. How she came up with it, I have no idea. I'd love to pick her brain. Um, I don't know if I'd ever get a chance to do that, but it is the most brilliant book. I don't know if it's for sensitive readers. Um, I think you've got to be in a certain frame of mind. But I highly, highly recommend it. It's called The Measure. And it's by Nikki Ehrlich. I hope that fiction lovers are finding something that appeals to them. And I hope that you are finding something that you are desperately heading out there to go and buy. More to come.
0: I love it. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: You are listening to People of the Book, and today I am giving you a whole selection of fiction. In case you are craving fiction, and I do apologize to those non-fiction lovers out there, but today is dedicated to fiction books. And in today's crazy world, where would we be without book talk? Hashtag talk made me read it. Um, and I headed over to see what was trending there. And to my absolute shock and surprise, I, I mean, I, I was actually speechless. One of the books that is trending on BookTok, okay, so it's 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 got a, a new funky cutesy cover, is Persuasion by Jane Austen. Yes, like the real Jane Austen from, from way back when in in that era long ago, I was I was, as I said, speechless. So that is trending on book talk. So who knows who's gonna make a comeback? Shakespeare, Dickens, I don't know. Could be anyone. So Persuasion narrates the emotional journey of its protagonist, Anne Elliot, who chances upon Captain Wentworth, a suitor she was persuaded to reject seven years earlier and whose reappearance causes her to reflect on her past decisions and contemplate her marital future. Vividly depicting the society holiday towns of Lyme, Regis and Bath and infused with its authors, trademark wit, Austen's last completed novel, set against the backdrop of the Napoleonic Wars, is an entertaining and enduring account of the dilemmas facing young women in the early 19th century. And one wonders if those dilemmas are really any different from the young women and their dilemmas of today. And when you look at the the actual theme and the the storyline here, I'm actually wondering why I'm even surprised, because the story isn't really any different from today's books and the books that trend on, on talk. It's it's young women and falling in love, and it's romance, and the man of her dreams, and he leaves, he comes back, they dislike each other, they fall in love. It, it's the theme and the storyline – it it pervades through the ages, so I'm actually I shouldn't be so shocked that this is trending on TikTok uh, on on BookTok. But I mean, who ever thought we'd see Jane Austen on BookTok? Quite a shock. Another one that I saw there was something called Girl in Pieces by Kathleen Glasgow, and we have to remember that BookTok I, I think is mainly followed by younger people. And the themes are going to be those that are pertinent to them, and they are relevant, they are sensitive, and they are complex. And this is described as a haunting, beautiful, and necessary book. It's a heartbreaking, triumphant, funny, and hopeful story of one girl's battle with self-harm. Charlie Davis is in pieces. At 17, she's already lost more than most people lose in a lifetime, but she's learned how to forget it through cutting. The pain washes out the sorrow until there is nothing but calm. She doesn't have to think about her father or what happened under the bridge, her best friend Ellis, who is gone forever, or the mother, who has nothing left to give her. Kicked out of a special treatment center when her insurance runs out, Charlie finds herself in the bright and wild landscape of Tucson, Arizona, Where she begins the unthinkable, the long journey of putting herself back together. And that's Girl in Pieces by Kathleen Glasgow. And the other one that I found is Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zauner. And this is a, and it's an autobiography. It's, it's kind of a memoir and it's an exquisite story of family food grief and endurance. Michelle Zahner proves herself far more than a dazzling singer, songwriter, and guitarist. With humor and heart, she tells of growing up the only Asian-American kid at her school in Eugene, Oregon, of struggling with her mother's particular high expectations of her, of a painful adolescence, of treasured months spent in her grandmother's tiny apartment in Seoul, where she and her mother would bond late at night, over heaping plates of food. As she grew up moving to the East Coast for college, finding work in the restaurant industry, performing gigs with her fledgling band, and meeting the man who would become her husband, her Koreanness began to feel ever more distant, even as she found the life she wanted to live. It was her mother's diagnosis of terminal pancreatic cancer when Michelle was 25 that forced a reckoning with her identity and brought her to reclaim the gifts of taste, language, and history her mother had given her. Vivacious, lyrical, and honest, Michelle Zana's voice is as radiantly alive on the page as it is on stage. Rich with intimate anecdotes that will resonate widely, Crying in H Mart is a book to cherish, share, and reread. And although it's trending on BookTok, there are some books that... Personally, I, I mean, I read on Kindle and I read proper paper books, which I still do prefer. And there are some books that you really want to own. And this is the type of book that I think I'd want to own as a proper paperback copy or hard, well, a hardback copy. I mean, hardback books are few and far between here. I know that overseas when books are released and um, particularly in the UK, they do come out as hardback books. I found that fascinating because the cost must be astronomical of producing these big hardback books. And I mean, I don't know what their production run is, but I would imagine it's high and they are still bring out, we bring out, um, I think they're called publisher copies, those, big first editions that come out that are bigger than the normal, smaller paperbacks. There's a whole production line that that happens. But I know in the UK they are still coming out with these big hardback copies. I mean, they are gorgeous. But I would say probably a bit impractical today. And I know that here they only use them for specific, really top best-selling authors. Um I think Jeffrey Archer rates up there. Um not even I mean Marion Keys. Not mind you, her books are so lengthy that that imagine a hardcover, Marion Keys, you'd be um you'd need some good physio if you were carting one of those around. But uh yeah, hardcover books are I say for us possibly a thing of the past. They are lovely, but uh but still a nice paperback book is a, a real book to hold and to page through. Um, dare I say to smell the pages? Um, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm not weird. It's a thing. I think it's got a name. I, I'll look that up and get back to you. But, um, I, I still think as much as I read on Kindle, nothing beats a real book. I hope you're finding something that appeals to you that you have taken note of that the next time you go looking for something to read, you are going to head out and head straight for one of these books that I
0: have mentioned. there's still a couple more
1: that I've got for you.
0: I love it
1: when you
0: read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebewitz
1: I am Janice Liebebovit, and today we have been having a bit of a fiction festival. I have been telling you about a whole load of fiction books that are currently available for purchase, either online, in your favorite bookstore, wherever it is that you prefer to buy your books. I hope there's something that has um, caught your eye or caught your ear, catches your fancy. Um, A couple more thrillers for you. Um, There do seem to be a lot of them around. I don't know why that is, but um, it does go in waves. And this one is from Michael Robotham, Bob, Robotham, and it is, I think it's the third in his Cyrus Haven series. The first one was Good Girl, Bad Girl. The next one was When She Was Good. This one is called Lying Beside You. And 20 years ago, Cyrus Haven's family was murdered, and only he and his brother survived. Cyrus because he hid. Elias because he was the killer. Now, Elias is being released from a secure psychiatric hospital and Cyrus, a forensic psychologist, must decide if he can forgive the man who destroyed his childhood. As he prepares for the homecoming, Cyrus is called to a crime scene in Nottingham. A man is dead and his daughter Maya is missing. Then a second woman is abducted. The only witness is Evie Cormack, a troubled teenager with a gift for knowing when people are lying. Both missing women have dark secrets that Cyrus must unravel to find them. And he and Evie know how to, how the past can come back to haunt you. I mean, Michael Robotham, you know, you mention his name and, and people nod. Uh He's written so many books. He writes, he does tend to write um, in series. He's written Quite a few books in his Joe O'Loughlin series. As I said, he's written two previously in the Cyrus Haven series. And he has written standalone fiction as well. But he does predominantly stick to thriller writing. But he is, he doesn't ever disappoint. So if you are looking, I mean, he has recommendations from Stephen King, Peter James, Lee Child. I mean, you know, with recommendations like that. I don't think you can really go wrong. So this one, as I said, is third in his Cyrus Haven series, and it's called Lying Beside You. And another one is A Kiss After Dying, and this one's by Ashok Banker. And I'm just trying to think because his name is quite familiar. Uh, I'm trying to see. I don't know if he's written anything else. Charming and handsome, Ricky Manfredi, is living on... A living an idyllic playboy life when out of the blue, he bumps into a shy pretty girl named Hannah. That's not her real name. Ricky has always had his pick of women, but when chance brings them together a second time, he finds himself irresistibly drawn in, which is exactly how she planned it. It's not long before, to the surprise of them both, Ricky and Hannah are falling for each other, but Hannah knows that can't be allowed to happen. Because murder is only the first stage of her plan. And this is one of those books that doesn't give anything away in a blurb. Um, I looked online. I looked on Amazon. I looked on Goodreads. Um, there is not much description given. It's one of those where you go in pretty blind and doesn't really let up. It's, it's a, as I say, it's a, really good thriller. It's getting a lot of coverage. It's getting it's it's gaining a lot of um traction, a lot of popularity. People are talking about this. And I think it's going to do really, really well. So I've given you quite a lot to think about. I hope you have been taking notes. I hope you've been making your lists. I hope there is something there that appealed to you. Um, As I said, I do apologize to the non-fiction lover out there, but um, today it was all about fiction, so um, lots to think about and lots to unpack, Um, quite a variety, I hope, and I hope there was something there that appealed to you so that when you are looking for something to read, um, you will think back to what I've told you about today and there was something there that you can go out and buy, and I hope that will keep you in books for the next few weeks. And wishing you a fabulous weekend. We are heading into Elul, believe it or not. I wish you all a Chodesh Tov. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Do what you love and read a book.